Hi, my name's Taylor Chapman, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Let's actually jump right on in there, and let's see what God has in store for you with today's message. Uh, each week we have taken one word from the story leading up to David fighting Goliath. In our first week we looked at the word anointing. Uh, and you are anointed. Say, I am anointed. When you are anointed by God, you are set apart to do what God's called you to do. And when you are anointed, that means you are enabled, you are empowered, and you are equipped to do everything that God has called you to do. I showed you that Jesus Christ is anointed. And if you are a believer and Jesus lives inside of you and you are his follower, you are anointed to accomplish the assignment as a believer that God has placed upon your life. It was a good first start of a, of a series, wasn't it? Yeah, okay, just. Uh, then the second week we talked about the word skillful. If uh, you have a gifting inside of you, but that gifting adds no value to your life unless you become skillful with the gift that God has put inside of you. Every one of you have a gift. The only difference between those who use their gift and those who don't use their gift are those who don't use their gift and those who use their gift. <laughs> uh, you don't have to develop your gift. That's your choice. But what I've learned is the more you develop your gift, the more God can use you. The more God will use you, the more your gift is developed. Uh, then last week we talked about passion. Say passion. The, the panel was up here. We've never done a panel before, but that was kind of fun. Was that kind of fun? We learned a little bit about we, the Dodies and the Van Winkles, different parts of their story that I had never heard of before. It was great to hear how God had used them in different areas and how they did things afraid. And whenever you have passion for things, passion will cause you to do things you wouldn't normally do. If you have passion, people get around you and they will want what you have. If you have the right kind of passion, people will get around you and want the right kind of things that are in your life. If you have the wrong kind of passion, you can get around the wrong kind of people and all of a sudden what they're passionate for comes what you're passionate for and what they're passionate for doesn't line up with God it's not beneficial and all of a sudden you begin to wonder how come you're now passionate about things that you never had a desire for to begin with you got around someone who was passionate about something and that passion wore off on you and you've got to be careful who you put yourself around the more you hang out with Terrence the more you want to play golf the more you hang out with Kevin the more you work out the the more you hang around people who are passionate for something you'll start discovering inside of you you now have a desire to do the very thing that six months ago you didn't have a desire for why because you got around somebody who had the right kind of passion for something so you have to ask yourself, what am I passionate about? As a follower of Christ, are you passionate about becoming everything that God's called you to become? As, as a follower of Christ, are you putting yourself around people who are hindering your passion or enhancing your passion? I love the phrase we put in your notes last week. You use, in, use intimidation as an invitation. How many times have you ever been intimidated by something and it's, and it's caused you to step back? 
ooh, I don't know how this is going to work out. So instead of me stepping forward, I'm just going to take a step back because I'm not sure. And instead, when we look at the life of David, he said, I don't know how this is going to look at. All of these people are going to fight this big Goliath, and I, I don't seem to be the choice here that would be the one to take down because I'm not a skilled warrior. I'm just but a teenage boy. But because he used intimidation as an invitation, we are now reading about his story because he used what the devil meant for bad and turned it for good. I've noticed the enemy only goes after those who are called to make a difference. So if you feel attacked, there's a reason why. Because God's got a calling on your life to do something. And for years you have used intimidation as your factor not to do it. But I want to encourage you this morning. Use it as an invitation to become all that God has called you to become. Uh, let me encourage you, go back and watch these last three weeks. Uh, it's been a great series. The whole point of this series is to encourage you in the race that you're running. We are coming down towards the end of the year. I do not want you to be able to look at your own journey with Christ and say, I am no long, I am not different now than I was when I started the year. If you are, now's the time. you got a month here to change, though that way at the end of the year you can say, I'm stronger than I was at the beginning of the year. Let's look at week four. Are you ready to get into today? All right. Are you ready to get into today? Okay, there we go. We're going to look at one word, opposition. This is the only negative word that we're going to look at during the series. I, this has been positive, but I, I will flip this around for positive. We're going to see David on the day he was going to kill Goliath. He has no clue when he wakes up that morning that he is going to kill a giant. Uh, that should be a lesson to you. You never know what your day is going to face, so you got to make sure you're in church to get the word from God that you need because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. People say, why do I need to go to church? That reason right there. It puts you in an atmosphere to hear God's voice in a different capacity, so therefore whenever you wake up, you don't know that you're going to be facing that, that Goliath that day. But if you're not prepared when that Goliath comes, you're going to lose the battle or you're going to be intimidated. Uh, whenever you wake up, there is a giant that you face. It could be fear. It could be anxiety. It could be family. It could be your work. It could be your calling. I mean, there, there's, it could be your health. There's a myriad of things, and if you don't understand that the enemy tries to use intimidation against you to stop you from your calling, you will live a fearful, intimidated life instead of living the victorious life how David showed us that you could have if you do what he did to get to where he got. Uh, on the day that David saw Goliath for the first time, David was instructed to take food to his brothers. He's not old enough to go to war. He's, he's a 10, 12, somewhere year old boy at that point. And really, David at this point is known as a sheep tender. He just watches the sheep. And then he is a harp player. He's, he's learning how to play the harp, and he has apparently become pretty good at it. Uh, but on this particular day, David takes cheese and bread to go, to, his, to go feed his brothers who are at the battle line. And uh, David's dad asked him, I want you to take this food, take it to the battle line, take it to your brothers, and then report back to me what's going, what, what's, what's going on. And when he gets there, he hears Goliath, who is a champion fighter for the Philistines. He hears his voice, and he sees that the Israelites are all running scared. David had only been out on the battle site for a few hours. He hears the same threats that 
the, the Israelites had been hearing for 40 days, but the difference was when David heard the threats of Goliath, he didn't use that as intimidation. For 40 days, the Israelites would come forward and they would hear Goliath talk. I'm going to take you down. You're not going to win against us. We are the strongest military battle that you're ever going to face. And they all heard this for 40 days. And some of the greatest warriors on earth ran scared because of what one man said. David heard the same voice, the same words, the same opposition, but he used the intimidation of one giant and said, with God, I can take care of all these things. He used the intimidation as an invitation to do something great. And that is where we're going to pick up in our notes. You have your note, your, your, your thing? Okay. Um, Devin is going to read the Bible today. We've got a lot of Bible reading. So put it, put it close to your face so online can hear gotcha. as well. Let's look in your notes, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and that picks up right where we left off last week. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with his great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the man who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Saul, Saul's daughter had to be pretty hot if he was going to give it away as a, as a, as a, a champion. Right? You don't give away ugly girls. David didn't want no ugly girl. He had anyone. I don't know. I just now read that. It's not in my notes or anything. I just now saw that. And then... <laughs> anyway, um, I briefly mentioned last week uh, that you got to take notice of something. Before David actually goes to fight the giant, he is faced with opposition. Uh, David is a man of great destiny. God has anointed David to be the future king, and David is uh, going to be a great warrior. The enemy will always attack those who God anoints. If you have a great destiny upon your life, the enemy for sure is going to try to take you down. Most people believe if God has assigned a great future to me, it would it will eliminate the enemy because God has called me. But I want to suggest to you this morning, if you have a great destiny that God has put upon your life, part Part of becoming skillful in the calling that God has upon your life is learning how to deal with the opposition that you will face along the journey to become skillful to do what God's called you to do. Can you say amen to that? I don't know if you want to say amen to that, but that is what happens. So let's look in your notes and let's keep reading. Uh, this is what happened to David, and we're going to start from here to pull out the message for today's text. 1 Samuel 17, 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. David's own brother is the one who causes the first bout of opposition. 
David is just a few verses away from taking down a giant and the enemy is trying to stop him by his own family. Whenever you are heading to your destiny, opposition is going to come your way. Let's learn from David. Write down, number one, the first thing that's going to come against you is accusing. The first opposition of David is accusing. The Bible gives this name to Satan. He is the accuser. God will use your sin to change you, but he will never use your sin to shame you. So Satan is going to try to accuse you of doing things that was never your original intent to be operating in. Let me put a side note in here. This is how you begin to hear the voice of God in your life. Whenever you, um, whenever you come to church and you, you're sitting there thinking, why am I even here? Why am I even worshiping? Is that God? It is the voice of the enemy accusing something inside of you saying, this church isn't good for you. These people aren't good for you. Why are they raising their hands? That can't be right. Why is that person praying that way? That is the voice of the enemy. So you are being able to learn the voice of the enemy in your life. Whenever you hear God's voice, it will take you forward. The enemy's voice will bring confusion and take you backwards. Do you understand me? So you have to understand David is being accused by the very person that he came to serve. David's dad said, hey, I need you to take this bread and cheese to your brother because they are hungry. They're on the battle lines. David just shows up to the battle, has proclaimed nothing, has said nothing, has done nothing, and his own brother starts accusing him of something that's not even realistic. I, I, I think this helps you understand that your family's messed up just like David's family's messed up. You're not alone, right? Yeah, Okay. Because, I mean, if you're getting accused for something you didn't do, that's kind of messed up, Jake. I don't know. Let's keep reading. This is fun. You guys having fun? Isn't it fun to come to church, man? Yeah, let's keep reading. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. All right, here's what you have to do. Learn the turn. Say that. Say, learn the turn. Learn the turn. The devil is real good at accusing you, but look at what David did. David, not, David did not give a voice to the enemy or his brother. He, he did what? It says in verse 30, he turned away from him. So what happens is the voice of accusation is going to come against you, and you have to learn to say, is this the battle that's worth fighting for? And if it's not worth the battle that's fighting for, what am I going to do? I'm just going to turn away. How many of you ate the cranberry that came out of the, the, the can this last week and you know you can make something better, but you didn't want to start a fight in your house because you know your turkey's not as dry as the turkey that I had. And so anybody else? No, you got to learn the turn. When it comes to your family, you got to learn the turn. When it comes to your coworkers, learn the turn. Quit getting tripped up by the small things because the enemy knows if he can get you in a place where there's resentment and bitterness and, and change your mind just a little bit, a passion that you once had for God will begin to wane because you didn't learn the turn when the enemy's voice became available to your ears to hear. I would... Uh, remind you if if someone is talking bad about someone else to you they are talking bad about you to someone else so whenever you get around people who are talking bad about other people what do you got to do 
Learn to turn. Because here's what's going to happen. The people who are talking bad, they have a passion for that. And whenever they have a passion for something, what's going to happen to you? You will have the same passion when you put yourself around that person. You get around someone that says, hey, you know what? There's this church that I went to this one time. You stop it right there. You learn to turn. We're not going to get into gossip. We're not going to get into talking negative. We're not going to get into talking bad. If you talk bad about anybody in this church, I will come to you, and I will learn to turn, and you'll be walking through that door. We will not put up with that nonsense here. That is not how you build a healthy church. That's not how you build a healthy walk with God. That's not how you become everything that God's called you to be. So whenever you get around people who say, you know what? I just don't know about this. I don't. You learn the turn. And you don't allow the voice of negativity in your life to affect you and what God has called you to do. Here, here, here is what I love in your notes in greening. Don't get yourself in that environment that diffuses your faith. Whenever you get around people who, who are negative, when you get around people who are doubting you, you get around people who are not promoting you, you get around people who are judging you, you get around people who are critical in nature towards you, they will diffuse your faith. And if they diffuse your faith, it will diffuse your passion. And if you diffuse your passion you will no longer have a walk with God the next time the devil tries to remind you of your past you learn that turn I don't know if I can do it you just don't know what I've been through you learn the turn you've got to recognize the voice of the enemy in your life David doesn't uh, defend himself he turns away when he turns away he starts talking to another person what he says is overheard and what is overheard gets back to King Saul this is showing us that no matter what happens God is always listening Whenever you're talking about somebody, Jesus is listening because you're talking bad about him because he, that person you're talking bad about is his child. Keep reading. Sorry. I'm just getting warmed up, Devin. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Do you see the second opposition that David is facing? He's accused by his brother, and then Saul, who is the king who David knows, who is a friend of David, begins to speak against him. Let's write down the second opposition of David is the word doubt. Saul is like, you're not able to go fight the Philistine. You are but of a youth. This is what the enemy does. He tries to tell you that you're not able. You don't have enough experience. You are but a child in that particular area. As Starlet talked about last week, she chose to quit her job and to go start a swimming school that she felt called to do. Everything in her was scared to go do it. The enemy was trying to stop her from doing something, so it put doubt in her mind. You're not able to do this. These parents aren't going to want to come to your class. These kids are all going to drown in your pool. Your husband's going to throw you in the pool when no one's looking. All these doubtful things begin to come into her mind because the enemy's trying to stop what God wants to do. You say, Taylor, you know, I'm t if you were to come to me and say, Taylor, you're not a good golfer, I'd say, okay, I'm not. But I need you to listen to me. The enemy is not trying to take you out in the arenas that don't matter. 
He's trying to take you out in the areas of your gifting. The area where if you develop them, you will have the greatest impact. Taylor, man, you stink at golf. Okay. That's not my calling. That's not my gifting. Where is he going to attack me at? Taylor, you can't build a church. Your spiritual life isn't good enough. You can't do, you can't lead these people. You only pray four hours today. You didn't pray 15 like you said you were going to. That's where the enemy attacks me. So you've got to learn to identify where the enemy is trying to attack you the most because in that arena is your gifting. Here is the hard thing to grab a hold of. When you look at that text, Saul said, you're not able to fight, but you are but of youth. Both were factual. He was 13. He wasn't of legal age to fight in war yet. He didn't have the experience that he needed to have. The enemy will use a partial truth to deceive you and in that partial truth accuse you to bring doubt in you. Uh, you guys weren't even ready for that one. You can't allow a partial truth. I just spit. I'm sorry. You can't allow a partial truth of an old version of you bring a partial truth in the new version of you. The new version of you is you are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. You are redeemed. You are saved. You are anointed. You are called. You are gifted. You are passionate. The old version of you is no longer there. It has been crucified. And you cannot allow the old version of what you once were to stop you and cause you doubt from the new version of what God has placed upon your life. Doubt will pull you away from your calling. Doubt will pull pull you away from your gifting. Doubt will pull you away from the very thing that God has called you to become because you look at yourself and say, there is partial truth in that once I once was that. I, I, I did once go down that road and that is how the enemy will take you down. I once was this way. I will use a partial truth. David was of a boy. He didn't have the age. He didn't, well, he wasn't a warrior. So he used a partial truth to try to stop him from doing the thing that God had called him to do. So quit using the partial truth of what your past looks like. Like it's saying, you know what, and when I was 19, I went down this road, and I shouldn't have gone down that road, and it led me down this path, and I went down this path. The enemy will take you down that path because a partial truth tried to stop you, and at some point, you came to the realization that, God, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to live my life for you, and I am the righteousness of Christ Jesus. I am redeemed and brought back out of the hand of the devil. I am anointed to accomplish my assignment. There is nothing that will stand in the way of what God has called me to do. I am anointed. I am anointed. I am anointed. And there will be nothing that will hinder the anointing upon my life because I will put myself around people who are passionate for the same things that I'm passionate for, and I will not let that anointing wane upon my life. Sorry. Sorry, that was a little side note for my own self. I started preaching myself happy. All right, let's look at 1 Samuel 17, 34. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. What David is really saying is below the surface. I've been training for this moment my whole life. I'm willing to go after it. This is what happens when you have passion. You go after it. You stay committed. When my spiritual life took a nosedive, I'm going back after Jesus. When my marriage fall apart, fell apart, I'm going after Jesus. 
When my kids ran away from God and I don't know what to do, so I go to my prayer room and I spend my prayer closet and I spend hours and hours interceding, praying for my children to come back. I will not let go. I will not let the enemy attack my family in this way because it took a partial truth. I don't care what the partial truth was. The enemy will not come against me. I will not allow the enemy to come against me. I will not allow the enemy to come against me. Do I need to say it again? When we started this church in a college town here in Norman, and it looked like because of COVID we were going to shut it down, the enemy used a partial truth. You'll never build a church. And he spoke that to us and spoke that to us and spoke. So we sat there and looked. The only option is to close it down. It's not working. But look what David, in verse 35, I went after him. Whenever you have a passion that causes you to do things that no one else will do, you will go after it. You will not give up. You will not allow the enemy to come against you in a way that will get you down. Now we fast forward and look at, we have 105, I looked just this morning to make sure we were right. We are a church of 105 people who have been here in the last month. That's not six months ago. We keep the, If you haven't been here in two months, you're off our record. We're not messing with you. We got a call of God upon our life. We got a place to go. There's 105 people that call this church home and just two years ago we had 12 so God is in the midst of doing something but you got to go after it you can't stop when God starts we have over a thousand people every week watch online that's pretty good we've had six people in this room give their lives to Jesus for the very first time that's worth going after don't even get excited about people saving from hell Come on. Six people saved from eternity in hell. Let's look at verse 36. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the, from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me yeah. from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Look, in verse 37, Saul says, go fight. Just five verses earlier, Saul said, there's no way. There's a lot on the line here. We look at the story and hear the story, oh, it's David versus Goliath, but you don't understand the ramifications of what this war was about. This was about an entire land. Whoever won the battle got the land. They got the people. They got the money. They got everything. This wasn't just any old common war like, oh, we want to take this little bit. You're taking Israel. If David loses, the nation of Israel loses. So Saul thought, He's like, I got a lot on the line here. And so I want to make sure that David's ready the best way that I know how. Let's look at our notes in verse 38 and see what Saul says here. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. 
Here's the third opposition that comes in with David. Write this down, number three. Identity. Saul tried to get David to be someone he wasn't. (laughs) He said, if you're going to fight this battle, then I want you to fight it my way. You need to put on my shield. You need to put on my helmet. You need to put on my clothes. The third opposition of David was Saul trying to get David to be something he wasn't. The problem was David could not perform the way that he was trained. As a believer, your identity is in who Christ is. You cannot be someone else. The problem that we have as Christians is you're trying to put on your clothes on Sunday. You put on those church clothes, and and this is how you are on Sunday. And then Monday, you put on your worldly clothes, and you try to fight two different battles. You can't fight the battle the same way that you prepared for the battle. So on Sunday, you put on your church clothes, and know what clothes you put on on Monday? Your church clothes. And Tuesday, your church clothes. And because you can't go to the battle the same way that you went into the last battle because you're trying to be something you were never meant. Because whenever you were in the place of learning, of growing, of becoming all that God had you to be, you put on your church clothes. And Saul said, if you'll put on these clothes, I'm sure you're going to win. But David said, I'm not prepared to fight the battle in those clothes. So you've got to go and put on the clothes of what Christ has put on you. So when you come to church, what are you doing here? You're getting encouraged. You're getting equipped. You're learning what the Word says. You're growing in your faith with God. And to go fight the battle, you got to say, I'm putting on my Sunday best, and I'm going to fight this battle, and there's nothing that's going to stand in front of me. David is showing us that you can't live two different standards. You have to be who God made you. For the believer, that is a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ, which is our mission of why we do church, is to help you become that. I can't put my church clothes on Sunday and put my world clothes in on Monday. I'm now two different people. David is saying, Saul, I developed my skill. I know who God made me. I know my identity is someone who is skilled with the sling. My identity is God has been with me when I took out the lion." God was with me when I took out the bear. God will be with me when I take out this giant. So the question I want to propose to you today as we reflect on our personal lives, what identity are you portraying? On Sunday, are you putting on your church clothes and Monday your world clothes? If people saw you on Thursday, would they wonder, you go to church? Wow. Would have never guessed that. How can you fight your battle with the wrong clothes on? We should do a sermon called stripping. That just came. See, this is why I stick to notes, people. You guys wonder, why are you staring at your notes? I wasn't looking at you when I said that, but I kind of was. You've got to strip off the old things. You've got to strip off the things that are of the world because what I've noticed, the things of the earth become strangely dim when you get your eyes fixed on Jesus. And when you examine your own life, the question becomes, am I becoming a fully devoted disciple? 
am I ready to fight that battle? If the battle comes my way, am I prepared? Because the battle's going to come. Paul said, don't consider it weird that, that trials are going to come your way. It's going to happen. So why do we act so shocked? It's because we're not prepared for the battle. Thank you for tuning in today. The most important decision you can make is making Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that because we are born into sin, there needs to be a blood sacrifice to redeem us from the curse that that sin brought us into when we were all born. God wanted to give you the opportunity to live in eternity with him. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to be that blood sacrifice for you and I. You can choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life and choose heaven, or you can choose to make this sinful world we live in your standard of living and make hell the only option. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to give you that opportunity right now. All you have to do is repeat these words after me. Say this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess my sins and I repent of those sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a fully devoted disciple. If you just prayed that prayer, then you are saved. Congratulations on making that life-changing decision. Now is the next step. You need to start reading your Bible and get into a good Bible-believing church. You will find other people who've made the same decision that you just did, and you will help each other grow to become all that God has called you to be. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that I am praying for you, that I am for you, and I need to know about it. If you would go to pathwaychurchok.com, that is pathwaychurchok, just the letters O and K.com, send us a message and let us know you prayed that prayer, and we'll send you some free resources to help you start your journey with Christ that you just started today. Thank you again for tuning in. Congratulations once again. We'll see you next time right here.